Hello and welcome to the NXT Generation podcast. We're going to be looking at NXT for May the 1st. We'll be looking back and reviewing that. I'm Chris Chopping. I'm joined by Sam Smith. Feast your ears. And I'm joined by James Dunn. We still don't know where Keith Lee is and I'm worried. I, yeah, we are. <laughs> That's a good point. That's not how I planned to start the episode, but... He needs I mean, to put his face on milk boxes I'm, I'm by missed, now. I missed a week, guys. I've noticed that you didn't keep the hashtag where Keith campaign. I am disappointed. I've been searching for him. Well, some of the people that we have been forced to watch on NXT <laughs> and we're not being allowed to watch Keith Lee. Something very bad must have happened to him. It's sad, sad times. Um, yeah. Let's crack on with the episode. Tonight, don't miss the in-ring debut of Kushida Tonight was the opening statement pre-credits. <laughs> it looks something a little bit spinal tap about the use well, of Tonight twice in that. Tonight, Tonight. You're a Paul McCartney fan. Tonight, Tonight. Mm. Are you... What's... Tonight, Tonight is Neil Young, isn't it? I thought it was a Paul McCartney song. No. Don't come to the man. Literally, I don't know, because we never established this, but the third and fourth man, who depend on the number of people on the podcast, mm. is always Chris's cardboard cutout of Paul McCartney, which stands behind him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which he does have, guys. I know that's a very visual reference for an audio-based format, but however, that is always... We also do it underneath the shrine of Paul Hoffner Bass. And yeah. a copy of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart not. Club. It's a shrine. And you came at him with a Paul McCartney reference. You didn't even do your, re- do, do your research. I thought I'm going to dance tonight. Sorry. Dance like that That's is, a good word. But it only uses the word tonight once, which is perfectly acceptable. I <laughs> thought you were going to reference the bit in Live and Let Die when he said, uh, when we were young and your heart was an open book, you used to say Live and Let Live. You know you did, you know you did, you know you, you did. did. But in this ever-changing world in which we're living, you can always decide to live and let die. And people always think it's a tautology because it's in this ever-changing world in which we're living. And there's too many ins. And anyway, but, um, <laughs> and that we've got all the time for the Paul McCartney roundup. Uh, <laughs> do you want to plug your Instagram and social media? Oh, cool. It's brilliant. We've managed to keep things on track. <laughs> we basically we're two minutes in, and we've discussed the first sentence of this episode, which I thought was a bit spinal tap because I used tonight tonight twice in the same sentence. A bit odd. This episode did not turn up to eleven, not by any chance. Oh. It was a four at best. I think this episode. Could have used roads. Um, <laughs> that will make sense later in the podcast. We hope. Um, so, yeah, we will be coming to all of that later on. But for now, we're going to crack on with the six-man tag that's been set up over the past few weeks. Basically, Jackson Riker has been running around squashing everyone. And the only Loken and Danny Birch established tag team have uh, brought on board Herberto Carrillo. Carrillo? Um, uh, to make a three-man team because he was also squashed by Jackson Riker so they've got a kind of enmity towards the Forgotten Sons in common uh, and also the Forgotten Sons there's three of them so that's handy yeah. I, never... actually, I, actually, I actually took their names down this week so there'll be no blunders like last week when I forgot Wesley Blake who's been in NXT you for the past that. 20 I can't believe, years I can't, forgot, I can't believe you forgot the one that I, you should know you should, I know, disgusting <laughs> James, you mentioned... Well, actually, first of all, I want to discuss the Orny Loken, Danny Birch ring entrance. We know that often tag teams like to do some sort of synchronised mm-hmm. entrance, some sort of team-based stuff. Uh, you see, sort of up until recently, Bobby Roode and his diminutive tag team partner, 
Oh, his name's gone right out of my head. Chad, Chad Gable. Chad Gable. <laughs> Chad Gable. What is with you two? I can leave you for love for one week. <laughs> and all the names have gone. We're at one each now. So they, <laughs> were doing, they were doing the whole glorious thing together with the mm. matching robes. Mm. The bar, obviously, have that kind of thing where they mm. point at each other over their heads and it's all very mm. synchronised. And you do, you do um, have about ten different things. Yeah. Uh, only Lord and Danny Burton keep things fairly simple. They, they run to the ring... <laughs> Uh, one of them holds up one finger, the other one holds up a second finger. Of course, we know in wrestling you're trying to get a pin of three, aren't you? So maybe no. that's why they've not been doing so well. <laughs> um, they never I'm... make it to three. It's what I like about this, though. It's like the whole team thing. It's like only Locke and Danny Burch have, had, have got to go with Humberto. On the grounds that you keep getting beat up by the same man. Yeah. So literally they are just going, if we try one more time, eventually we'll beat them. <laughs> and you're pointing out now, the best they hope for is a two count. Yep. They're not they're a bit defeatist, this team. Well, they went for a six-man tag, so they could have had Humberto Carrillo come in and hold up a three. So just kind of show that he was had a bit of solidarity with these boys. You know, he was on their side, he was on their team, but no, he just did his own thing. It shows a real lack of communication and preparation. It's not a surprise that they didn't have their shit together. It's not what you need in a tag match, is it? You want that kind of team spirit, that communication going on from the get-go. Uh, Forgotten Sons came out, as James, you pointed out, I think not much crowd reaction. Still nothing. Still not. And if it is, when we started this podcast and we were saying about the Forgotten Sons and the lack of crowd reaction, mm. I think it was very much they were still new and they were still being introduced. You can probably forgive the crowd for, you know, not knowing who they were exactly. It's been, what, five Five weeks, six weeks now. You could forgive the crowd for knowing who they are and not really giving a shit. <laughs> it's really like you know, and if you're building them up as like, because they've really plowed on with them. They like these are the most consistent act. More than mm. we've seen these guys. More than we have seen Gargano. Every the, single week we get the Forgotten Sons. Yeah, like, it, and it's like the crowd still doesn't care. Really, it's. It's not great. I'd be worried if I was old Riker. I like how NXT does have continual storylines that build up a big... Like, six people that are built being built up through this. They're consistently on TV. Mm-hmm. You can kind of uh, understand where they're going at. You have to match it with quality. And I think until now, they kind of did... Like, they weren't all squashes. Mm. And they showed dominance. And they... There was a very clear, yeah. like, they were building them towards being a badass, monster, mm. nasty boy tag team. Whereas, like, this was just sloppy, oh. and it seemed it, it seemed like they had a plan for yeah. the, the last half of the match. And there was, like, dive spots, and there was, like, the double finisher, I thought, was really nice. Mm. But it just didn't seem very coherent. It seemed a very well-planned match backstage, like you said. Mm. I think it's worse when you could tell... There were loads of spots planned, and when, like, I think three of them didn't hit. Or they half hit, and it looked very close to being Yeah. Painful. And then a nice layout that fell apart in the in the ring. The actual workings yeah. of it. There was a thing I noticed earlier, fairly early on, actually, in the match, um, that isn't necessarily a mistake, but um, the guys, Humberto kind of chucked, well, he had someone, he came in for the tag, I think it was Wesley Blake, escaped him, escaped hmm. out, and... Yeah, off the apron, onto the side. The Forgotten Sons are all on the outside. Birch and Lorcan rush the ring, so you've got the three of them in the ring shouting. Mm. The referee's trying to get them out. The Forgotten Sons are lingering on the outside, and the commentary team are going, oh, yeah, yeah, the Forgotten Sons, they've done a good job here. They killed all the momentum that the other guys had. Uh, could, <laughs> and, you know, and, and that makes sense. Like, right there, mm. they should be in the ring getting beaten up. No, they're going to hang out on the outside, going to catch their breath, 
the momentum's lost. But why are Birch and Larkin storming the ring? Because if they stay on the outside themselves, then maybe the one guy's going to get back in, but they're not going to get back in when it's three on one. They're actually killing their own momentum. <laughs> is, that, is that just me? I think it's just another symptom of the fact that the whole thing was kind of rushed, rushed together. <laughs> like they had plans for all of those things, but it obviously came out differently to how it was supposed to. Because you're, because just... you're right. The, the commentate commentary was was kind of was the opposite of what they were showing us. I think mm. it sounds more of a poor line of commentary. I think it was just a little thought out way of yeah. trying to tell that story, that situation. Because mm. it's clear, I think that all that was meant to be was a kind of come on in, we got the higher ground, you come at us, you know, all this kind of thing. I don't think it's a case of... Forgotten for sons being clever and tactical. They got chucked out of the ring. Yeah. yeah you, can't, you, can't, you can't praise people for getting chucked out of a ring. There was, so a, then... spot, uh, there was a spot later when um, uh, Jackson Riker pushed Steve Cutler out of the way for when... Um, Humberto was doing... was doing a... Oh, was Locke in the got smacked? And Locke got smacked, and it's what ended up with Birch being cornered mm. at the mm. end of the match. Uh, which shows that they got some tag team chemistry and mm. they can put a little plan together. Yeah. You know, Lorcan's somewhat looking out. Yeah. That's better than, oh, they're stood on the outside, aren't they great? Yeah. Yeah. Because and it was like, um, and like, that's the thing, that's the story. Because it's like, I know they weren't going to win from the off, but Lorcan, Birch and Humberto wouldn't, shouldn't win this match because they're not a natural freeway team. No. You know, like this is a one and done for those three. Yeah, this is it. Um, there were some spots for me that were messy. Like the finish looked messy. There was like there was. I think I think one of the, I think it was um I think it was Cutler missed like a kind of um close on over the top rope spot at one point. Looked really bad. It just it just didn't. It, I think we were in silence for that match, weren't we? Yeah, it didn't engender much enthusiasm. I looked across from where I was sat and we were all just kind of slumped in our seats <laughs> at the end of it. Um, I did want to mention as well in this match, there was a diving headbutt. Oh, uh, two. There was two. two. There was two. There was an attempted spot on one. I missed yeah. one. And there was a cross face as well. well from the, he described the, the pin when he pushed his arm over his face as a cross face, which was three too many, uh, at least semi-Benoit references. Well, I'm not, it's not even the Benoit reference that bothers me. It's just the diving headbutt. I mean, yeah. fairly well known to be a concussion maker. Yeah. Mm. And didn't even look that great. No. Do you know what I mean? I, I just, I don't know why that move isn't banned. They're like, letting him do it. It's they, not... They don't let Sullivan do it on TV. But it's not... Mm. Like, if it was, you know... If it was a moonsault, I'm not saying it'd be justified, but you'd go, oh, fair, fair play, though. It looks pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I know it's dangerous, but it looks pretty sick. Like... Diving headbutt doesn't even look... It just falls on the guy. It's not even that impressive. With, I don't know why they're like saying... the smallest part of your body. And they're so careful now about concussions and everything else. I read a story today, this is an aside, but apparently Daniel Bryan's injury isn't concussion-related and he's cleared to come back to yeah. it, which I think is good news. But they kept it quiet. They did keep it quiet. I don't know why they were so kind of... Probably worried. Better safe than sorry, I guess. You know, But yeah, so he's cleared to come back to active competition. So that's obviously good news, but... You know, it's something we're all worried about all the time. Yeah. With, uh, I think is it? And you probably may know a bit more about this. Or actually, no, you both might have shown us with the flying head. But back in the day when Chris Benoit did it, it was that he connected with the head, wasn't he? Yeah. Because mm. I think now, because I clocked it today, and I was like actually trying to think back on how does Lars Sullivan do. I think it is just they connect with the gut, mm. which again goes back to what you're saying. Just doesn't make it look a good move. 
And yeah. I think Sullivan puts his hands more forward where Benoit was mm. kind of like an aeroplane where they're yeah. behind him and he doesn't protect him, it doesn't hold his weight at all. It doesn't look where good. The uh, best case scenario, he's landing on his chest, yeah. which isn't good. No. So if they've, found, complaints. if they've found out a way to make it a bit safer, good, but it still doesn't look good as a move, so just there's enough wrestling moves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's so much stuff you can do in the ring. Yeah. Anyway. That's that. What are they going to do next for them? Because this has to be a feud ender. Like, great, you have six weeks, eight weeks, and you've built up characters, Mm. and and you've pulled some storyline together. This has to be the end of it. What are they going to do with Riker? They've made him be the the big nasty dude. So they either need to continue feeding people to him, continue building him up as this kind of big guy, or now they've established that he is this big guy, maybe they've got some new people to bring in. And show them be a bit dominant against this guy they've established as a monster, right? Maybe. I don't know. I have very little hope. Yeah. I take back everything I said last week. Yeah, because you were getting quite into it last week, weren't you? I, mean, I had some kind of investment. Anyway. I wanted it... to see how it planned out, and it turns out how it planned out was a pile of shite. Decisive victory. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And then we cut from that to a quick Shayna Baszler se- segment, which... I, I feel like, and we'll talk about this a little more later on the show, hmm. this show, we kind of had not the big major NXT stars on this show. We had uh, kind of the the B team, yeah. if it's fair to say. I know, like, the word, I don't want to say, even the word, using the word B team has associations. <laughs> yeah. You know, B plus players as well, you can't really say. But, you know, these weren't the, the first stringers on, on the NXT roster this week. And there were a few times where few of these guys appeared in segments or and and I was a bit kind of like oh brilliant okay go here are the stars here's a bit of excitement and remained underwhelmed <laughs> and this was the first instance here Shayna Baszler called out for never having pinned Io Shirai by an interviewer knocks the mic from the interviewer's hand uh in disappointing segment, I've put here in my notes. Mm. Kathy Kelly's uh, facial expressions were some of the best acting on this entire episode because Ooh. she did. I think that should be more high praise on Kathy Kelly. No, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I always react to that because I find it amazing. <laughs> like that's that's a that's a fucking shoddy indictment on the rest of this show when yeah. you're praising <laughs> the, the interviewer. <laughs> Kathy Kelly's brilliant. Kelly, oh, she's, yeah, she's Kathy good. Kelly looked genuinely sad to have had a microphone struck from her hand. That should not be the highlight of an episode of wrestling. She it, it moved forward, but still slightly pensive when she gave that question. Mm. It was like, well, I pinned you, and you haven't pinned her. And then when she um, when Baszler took her glasses off, she you can kind of see she went, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> I thought I was going to get away with that. It told a story more so in those that mm. thirty seconds than a random jobber match would. Kathy yeah. really Kelly. like these segments. Kathy, sorry, you go. Sorry, man. All I was going to say is, in fairness, I don't think there's anything wrong with the segment per se. Mm. I think the only disappointment for me was the brevity of it, given that we had quite a disappointing match, and you go, oh, cool, it's Shayna Baszler, this is going to be good. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, she's gone, and we're back into something less exciting it's so a, it's it's a little bit of build up to that future match I think I think it's yeah. all, I think yeah. I think it's been pretty obvious with the whole like the whole storyline mm. with Baszler and the, and the women's in the, in the women's feud and like with Kyrie saying all that I think they're building up to Io Baszler I'd be pretty sure they are it's a little it's a little feud it's like you know it was quite a cool little way to slip in the whole like ooh I was pinned you which I can't remember where from I presume some kind of tag match I think we yeah. put it down or 
like and then you've not pinned her yeah. you know it's a, it's a little it's a little thing to chuck in there it's a little quote they could put in the video package but like you said there's nothing especially considering how unstoppable and beast they've made Baszler look in the mm. last six months they, they have it... to find a way of clawing back a few vulnerabilities yeah, yeah that's it and they mean... did a really good job with that yeah the fact that Irish Rye has got a psychological edge she has mm. scored a pin off her uh, good to remind the audience of that yeah. so yeah no it did its job and, and then uh, um, it went to um <clears throat> Mia and Bianca. Right, boys, I'm going to take this one. Uh, Chris, you said before that there were no stars on this show, uh, if anything <laughs> was a be somewhere. I think one person in this segment uh, comes out as a star, so I'll explain that. So, again, it goes back to James Dunn, backstage camera um, talk tactics of media degree. Yeah. Uh, Rushy Cam, running around, being a bit of a zoomy boy, running to, <laughs> run to the training ground, oh my, Yim and Bianca Belair having a bit of a word off, you know, they're going a bit, they're going to have a few words out there. Don't really matter about that. Robbie Brookside, who is second to William Regal, my favourite British guy on this show, <laughs> is absolutely phenomenal in the role of disgruntled trainer trying to break up a fight. Uh, <laughs> quote him, come on now girls, stop that, come on now, Bianca, Mia, stop that, come on now. A fantastic <laughs> performance from one of British legends. Mm. It's for a Liverpudlian man, he did not tell them to calm down, which I truly <laughs> respect. I truly respect that. Oh. We're going to talk later about stereotypes in wrestling, and I'm oh. glad he didn't fall that. He could have fallen back on a negative stereotype then. We're glad he did. He did kind of feel like the kind of ineffective... <laughs> boyfriend trying to break up a cat fight outside a nightclub leave it Bianca she's not worth it but oh it took me back to my days in in Liverpool University when I was on concert squares you know bounce to break up a few fights oh, oh. I was gone uh, I've no idea what the, uh, does one of you got about what they were actually saying what this leading up to I was too uh, ma- was, a match next week was it or great. in the future I was, never I was, I was too enamoured with Robbie Brookside so. it was good I'm I like the... sure it was next week but I feel like we were all absorbing the tone of, of what was happening more than the content yeah. why are you filming me get, get your camera away from me yeah that's great as well they're great they're referencing like, the fact that there's cameras backstage filming mm. these, they, they did it last week with um, or the week before mm. I come up, with Undisputed yeah. Era yeah mm. I love it I'm Michael loving it Cole. Um, like more bro- you know what last week I said I think last time I was on the podcast I said more Kyle O'Reilly uh, I'm going to ditch that campaign uh, I'm going to bring up yeah. more Robbie Brookside breaking up fights <laughs> Leaving out Bianca. Space for them all. Yeah, why, why must it be either or? <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid if we're having more Robbie Brookside, Kylo Riley's going to take a hit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's come to this, James. I love it. Robbie Brookside. So. He's a Liverpool wrestler with the last name of Brookside. I've just clocked that. Really? I've clocked that's the gimmick. <laughs> For those from across the seas, yeah, he's not, a big fan not, of lesbian kisses. <laughs> <laughs> for those not, um, for those watch, listening overseas who are unaware, Brookside was a, a D grade soap opera in the UK, based in Liverpool mm-hmm. in the um, late nineties, early noughties, yeah, and I think um, it lasted like eighteen months. No, 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 no. Brookside ran, I believe, from the kind of mid eighties oh, really? to the late nineties. Yeah, it ran yeah. for it ran many, for many years. Oh, it was oh, right. Oh. Uh, we should probably put out Robbie Brookside's from Liverpool as he's well. From Liverpool. That's, that's a key part in this. Mm. Sorry, back the to guys Brook- in um, I'm thinking the royal that. family, Sue Johnston and uh, Ricky, uh, what's his name with a beard from the royal. Oh, family. Tomlinson. Ricky Tomlinson and Sue Johnston originally played a married couple on Brookside. Really? Oh wow! Yeah. Do you know, actually, the set of Hollyoaks is actually uses a lot of the old Brookside set. Yeah, because it's all set in the same place, created by the same guy. From yeah, 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 it's on the same set and the same creator, and also. 
just to clarify, again, for anyone listening not familiar with Brookside, to clarify one of my statements earlier, in case it just came out like a mad... Um, <laughs> I was hoping we'd move on a quick. Mad, <laughs> a mad reveal of uh, my... Actually, Chris, we're running short on time, so we're going to go straight into... <laughs> go on, go on. Just, just to say that on Brookside, they had the first televised lesb- lesbian kiss on British television, which is what I was wrestling at, uh, referencing earlier. Wrestling <laughs> that. Uh, wrestling my own uh, fantasy life. Anyway, so... <laughs> Moving swiftly I love how you on. tried to use that time to make yourself look alright and then said that comment at the end. I know. To undo uh, all your good work. I really was going to try and move on before you brought up Robbie Brookside. And <laughs> I, I wish I'd forced the issue through. So, next up we had Dominic Dijakovic. Yes, Chris. Thank yeah. you. Versus Mansoor. Mansoor, a man who we originally mm. saw where, James, you did the research on this? It was, so we all clocked him as someone familiar. The last place you would have seen him was in the greatest Royal Rumble in the segment where they brought out the Saudi Arabian um, trainees. Mm. Um, I think he's actually, um, I think he's actually American of Saudi descent, because I know he had a quite a big career in the New York indie scene. Oh, really? So he's not... He's not an actual, like... It's not quite the... Rags to riches, we plucked this guy from yeah. security in Saudi Arabia, and now here he is in NXT. He's actually been on the Indies in America, yeah. Uh, okay, but like that's the, he was. I think he was the one that got the last hit on Tavari. I think if you remember that segment, barely, barely. Uh, it, I hope it's not a poison chalice. I think hope he gets his own go because he had like the Saudi mm. like tree on his leggings and stuff, and they'll reference it and they'll try and and use it. I hope that he just gets treated like. A wrestler. Well, I thought this was actually quite a good match. Mm. Yeah. Not um, good, not great, but the last time we saw Dijakovic was in like basically a squash match. They're obviously trying to build him up, make him look strong, and I was kind of expecting more of the same here. But they did actually get let Mansoor get some decent offence mm. in. He he did quite a nice kick off the thigh of Dijakovic looked, looked pretty sweet some nice uh, thwacks yeah, some good took, noises took a horrible bump when um, Dijakovic threw him I'll get there eventually threw him uh, uh, the airplane yeah don't learn it and then landed on his knee don't worry oh. horrible land on his knee do learn that surname though because they will just drop the Dominic when he hits the main roster <laughs> uh, <laughs> I th- they probably would prefer to keep the Dominic except mm. they've already got one haven't they they've got Rey Mysterio's son who's yes. <laughs> screwing that up for them but uh but yeah, Mansoor, they, the commentary team made it clear that a Mansoor victory would be a, a big upset, you yeah. know, when he, when he was getting his defence in. So he lost here, but he still was kept looking fairly decent. It was He can absorb that loss, I think, without looking too bad. It wasn't a squash. So both guys kind of came out looking quite well at yeah. this. It does a good job in introducing Dijakovic. Dijakovic's stuff yeah, uh, yep. like his finish is brutal the kind oh, of God, like yeah. fireman carry into a knee and um oh, Mansoor sold it like a boss he Fucking sold it really impeccable. well it looks brutal his whole feast your eyes when he like points at his eyes before doing something irrelevant is at least he's got some kind of slogan and some kind of character some rhythm to his personality yeah it'll happen bit by bit uh, it's not completely wiping out someone like Mansoor, who they also they don't want him to look weak. Uh, Mansoor and Carillo's kind of got the same position at the moment, where they they don't want to use them as jobbers. Hmm. They want to put these big nasty blokes over, 
but they also and they need like smaller dudes for them to mm. beat but they don't want them to completely squash them it's mm. that weird kind of I think it's why like these these matches seem kind of a bit half baked you know what it reminds me it's quite early 90s WWF WCW where you'd have wrestlers of the company like kind of like the likes of Barry Horowitz and like you know the wall or roadblock or whatever who would be on regular like Sunday night heat style TV and they'd be signed by the company they'd be regular characters they weren't just random locals with no entrance they have like entrance music like gimmicks and all that but they would just be hired to be jobbers but they'd be regular jobbers if you know mm. what I mean yeah yeah and they would like they would be allowed to get some offence in they'd like even maybe occasionally win a match if they fought someone local or whatever it seems like they're going that route of having like you have jobbers you have who you can build up because like, it's a thing Mansour got quite over if I remember rightly I think he got some crowd reaction yeah he definitely got a pop out of it and it's better than uh, kind of Ellsworth um, like Hawking kind of just loses mm. bit of a joke yeah, so if, yeah. If, especially if you need them around all the time to use for this purpose I like it I think they need to tweak how they do it. Mm. Tweak how they do it. They what, was the, what was the guy they had on a few... A couple of months ago, wasn't it? Well, was it even before Christmas? A guy called Eric Bugenheimer or something? Yeah. The, yeah, the, what's the, happened the, to him? I was hoping there'd be more of him coming They're using back. him on vignettes and they're posting like his uh, like house shows and stuff where he's doing this, this routine. Like the NXT on like, Facebook are reposting mm, Right, okay. Um, I... Maybe he wasn't used in those tapings, but he was a lot more popular than they were expecting, I feel. I, okay, I think I, they're going to give him a role. This happens with NXT, mind. I mean, the famous one is Blue Pants <clears throat> with Enzo and Cass. I feel like he could be a guy that has that Elias role of kind of, you know, he comes in, he absorbs a loss, he gets his heat back instantly. Do you know what I mean? Like, they can yeah. beat Elias a bunch of times and they'll come out with his guitar and everyone wants to see him get beat up again. Like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah whether he wins or loses mm. and I th- I think Bugenheimer could be that where people just enjoy the gimmick and then he can come out and be that kind of jobber mm. to the guys that they're trying to build up and you, if, if you have a show when you need to show some weakness to the big guy and you need a good cheap pop because mm. the show's like this just so yeah. draining you can have him steal a cheeky win yeah mm. yeah. more for it more um, mid-card jobbers please and uh then that match ended with uh, Dijakovic getting the victory, <coughs> fairly de- decisive as well. Probably my favourite match on the show. And then we get a bit of star power oh. in the form of DREAM, the Velveteen <laughs> Dream. Oh. <laughs> on his sofa, watching Brookside backstage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dream, match is finished. Go on, drag me on. This is one of my. Oh. Favorite favorite segments in NXT for a long long time. He cannot sing a note in tune, bless him, and it made it so much better. I found this genuinely quite distressing. So did okay, not okay, look comfortable okay, okay, by okay, it. Okay, so there is. Yeah, someone so should explain so, so, what the segment was. Okay, the case. so we'll I'll set up the I'll set up the court for the debate, and then we'll have the two defenders fight their course. So basically, Dream comes out on sofa in classic Velveteen Dream style. Brilliantly, I don't know whether they've done this for a while or not, they've only seen this before. He clicks his fingers to stop his entrance music. Yeah. And clicks and the couldn't bring it back on. Brilliantly, though. So he comes out, so he's addressing basically Djokovic's, um, like, you know, call out to him, like, you know, Velvet Dream, feast your eyes on me. And Velveteen Dream goes, oh, you want this belt? Uh, okay, I think, you know, I'm, you know, I defend this belt with the red, white, and blue. 
uh, celebrating the American flag, whilst forgetting the Diogo, which is flag is of that of Croatia, which is also red, white, and blue, but less said about that. <laughs> he then proceeds to then rewrite the words of the American national anthem to reflect the feud. Uh, it's, I think in there he goes, he keep, he, uh, he's the star of the show, and Luke doesn't lose his throw. He measures Buddy Murphy and Matt Riddle, who he beat. Says Dark over his family, well, doesn't care if he wins or not, <laughs> <laughs> and that he's the best. Uh, so, who wants to go first on this, whether you like this or not? Because um, I like it. Buddy Murphy's ginger hair and Matt Riddle's flip flops is two things I did not expect to see in song, especially <laughs> not a spoof version of Star Spangled Banner. The American anthem. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, he remembered most of it as well. You can tell he's doing it from the top of his head until like the last line where he just gives up. <laughs> he just completely reigns. Oh, in. that should be a thing. That like so on the Titan Tron behind him, the words, the song are being played. And uh, like we mentioned before, the crowd for this show was quite quiet. They were were not deeply invested. They sang along. <laughs> yeah. They were his his choir, his chorus behind him. What, Chris? You're sat there with your, your right. hands. They did. They did <laughs> sing along, and that just made me cringe all the more. Oh. They had the words up on a screen behind him, like it was karaoke. I found it embarrassing to watch. And the worst thing was, he's a he's a character who, let's face it, his entire gimmick is a, is basically a rip off of Prince. Not to put too fine a point on it. It's yeah, you know, it's, that's, it's Prince. That's yeah. what his gimmick is. He's kind of his finish is the purple rainmaker. So, <laughs> yeah. You want to feel when that guy, he's never had cause to do it before. But you want to feel like if that guy were to open his mouth and sing, he'd have a rich, soulful, mellifluous voice. He cannot hit a single note. It's really embarrassing. It's awkward. I've made me really uncomfortable to watch it. And I, I think, you know, he's the dream, right? He can click mm. his fingers and lights go out. He can click his fingers and a spotlight hits him. He can click his fingers, his entrance music stops. He makes promises and then he delivers in the ring. That's the dream, right? He's, he, women want to be with him. Men want to be him. Some men also want to be with him, right? That's some women want to be him, right? That's that's the dream. He's a polysexual, polymorphous ring master. He's incredible. He's a great character, and and you don't want that character to suddenly look amateurish and shoddy at something he's a professional <laughs> wrestler he's made to look like a kind of hack at karaoke bar like if this was if this was Kylo Riley no if this <laughs> let him finish don't, bit, don't try and play me out right? <laughs> you didn't talk over my speech if don't talk was, over his Good if life. this was Kylo Riley you know and you or someone of in the undisputed era and you go like oh he's he's, de- he's a bit deluded right he's making mm. promises that he can't cash he's, he's you know he says it, you know these guys he's say mm. they're going to beat people in the ring but he can only do it with the help of his mates or whoever you know mm. um, you know some deluded heel this would kind of work this would make sense mm. right but for the Velveteen Dream to be doing it like and not be able to sing and it to be that bad we know this from the world of stand up comedy right not to be mm-hmm. this bit inside baseball but we all do stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see a musical act who's really funny, a really good professional act, but then they pick up a guitar and they can't play it and they're struggling to remember the chords or kind of reach the chords in time to sing over the top of it, and they're clearly quite amateurish on the on the instrument, the impression, your impression of their whole act suffers. You Suddenly they look at like a more amateurish comedian. Similarly, you have a comedian that's not... The jokes maybe aren't that great. Maybe it's not the best pastiche of a song you've ever heard. But they have a really good singing voice, and 
they really know how to play the guitar, it elevates the level of their whole act. It makes them look like a more professional entertainment act. And I think this is happening here. Velveteen Dream is a brilliant professional wrestler, but I think less of him now for having done this awful <laughs> singing on NXT. Such really sh- embarrassing. It's such a shame that you're so fickle, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the way you, 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 you We're go, all performers go. here. We, mm-hmm. We're all used mm-hmm. to the stage and uh, trying to get your, your act over. Yeah, yeah. Um, how many of you have sung to an audience of X hundred and they've sung along? I um, had some pretty good gigs up in Caffilly. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, matter, doesn't matter how you make them laugh or sing along or whatever it is mm. you do. If they are involved and they leave happy, you have done your job. I want to start to sing along of I Want to Break Three on New Year's Eve in a nightclub in Northampton, so I think that speaks volumes. (laughs) Did everyone join in? in? Yeah. Yeah. Then you're a spectacular musician for that circumstance. This isn't like world vocal entertainment. I'm not saying it Mm. wasn't fun for the people who were there at the time, but... I mean, there's a lot of things that are fun for the people who are there at the time that should not be broadcast for public viewing. <laughs> That's why more people don't make sex tapes. Like, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> of all the things on this show... I'm glad that Velveteen Dream was enjoying himself, but I don't think... <laughs> but I'm going to have to watch it. Of all the things on this show, and I, I'm not going to lie, guys, we, we were coming into this show going, I don't feel good enough much to talk about... I didn't think Velveteen Dream singing would be the longest section of this show. <laughs> I didn't expect it's, to just let you. Is your complaint? Is your complaint of Velveteen Dream? I know you like your kayfabe. I know you like you like you know yeah. you like your like the one. Is your is your is your is your main thing about this is that the Velveteen Dream is kayfabe gimmick is Prince and he doesn't sing like Prince. It's not just that. <laughs> <laughs> is it because he breaks kayfabe by not being able to it's, sing? I don't think. That... In kayfabe that he is Prince. <laughs> but, Tag me team matches all over again, this, isn't it? <laughs> but he is a, like a, a Prince-like figure, and it would have been nice if he could sing like Prince. And given that he can't, I would mm. prefer to just never have known that. I would prefer to have never have sung, and I don't know that he I can't. I'll tell you what, nice I don't think it would have been out of his character to get someone else into sing. If he clicks his fingers in a singular like mm. came Yes, out. he clicks his yeah. fingers and there's a chorus yeah. of beautiful women singing it for him. Mm. That would be perfect. Like, I think Velveteen Dream, his gimmick is almost like Mr. Perfect, right? It's a different, slightly different, but like Mr. Perfect was launched in the 80s, remember it was, with vignettes of him like being mm. really great at bowling and really good at mm. baseball. And he, you know, he could spit his gum out and, and yeah. catch it perfectly, throw his towel up in the air and catch it behind his back perfectly every time. You know, and, and flick his gut, and and the whole gimmick was he's mm. perfect. And if Mr. Perfect then was out called on to sing the national anthem, and it was all flat and all over the place, you kind of go, ah, oh, that kind of deflates the gimmick. And that's I kind of feel mm. like the Velveteen Dream is this really smooth, cool guy, and him not being, I can't sing. I, look, I'm not making any bold claims, but and and nothing would particularly deflate my gimmick if if I okay. if people knew that I couldn't because I, I I'm not cool. But let me put this cool. way: in the kayfabe realm of it, <laughs> yeah. If you went to the Velveteen Dream and went, you can't sing, the Velveteen Dream would tell you that you've got the wrong opinion on singing. Yeah. In the same way of the Velveteen Dream can't remember losing. It, is, Velve- a, <laughs> it is a little bit uh, of pop stars nowadays. It's just a racket because there are a, 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 a pop stars, pop singers who are swooned over who mm. have 
little to no vocal talent. Do you know what? Because they're a superstar, they're larger than life, they're all charisma. Do you know what, though? It doesn't matter. If he'd done it in a studio and it'd been auto-tuned to fuck, fine. But (laughs) Why are we still talking about this? (laughs) Why is this the longest thing we have ever talked about on this podcast? This is the most important bit. (laughs) We have had fucking... Angles, interviews, setups, takeover, mania, Brian, superstar shakeup, Viking experience. We've had so much shit. Apologise. Why has Patrick I apologise. I apologise to anyone listening to this that James Dunn has just banged a table into your ears. Sorry about that. I don't give a shit. We've just given them 10 minutes of Velveteen Dream singing. Yeah, I know. I just just worry about how that sound is to people listening at home. Not as bad as Velveteen Dream singing, apparently. Did I win this debate? Yeah. <laughs> well, this seems like I feel like I've been. That was the wonderfully most ridiculous thing we've ever done. This, this podcast. That was very one sided. James, hello. Did you want to move on? Oh yeah, <laughs> please. please. Yeah. I, was getting, I, was getting, I don't know why I picked up on a hint somewhere. The Viking so... experience did not get as much time as that. Well, <laughs> what I, well, what I would say, every wrestling podcast and probably none, some non wrestling podcasts were talking about the Viking experience. Uh, so it was probably covered in enough detail mm. elsewhere. This God, deserved to be talked sing. about. He can't sing, and I find it very upsetting. He could have just said that! (laughs) Well, I mean, you set it up in a debate format. That was your doing. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. To be fair, this was the first time we've completely corpsed on this show. You know know what? I thought, yeah, if we're going to keep on this corpse thing, after my Robbie Brookside bit, I thought, oh, I spent too much time talking about Robbie Brookside. You're you're fine, you're good to go. I'm vindicated. Uh, So we move on quickly, if we will, please, guys. Uh, backstage from the Undisputed Era, all four of them together as a unit, quite surprisingly, given what happened last week. Mm-hmm. I'll turn around. Uh, it's revealed that um, Adam Cole is fighting Matt Riddle. Yep. I think that's next week, am I right? Yep. yep. Maybe. And they kind of have a bit of a. Yeah, because in fairness, we're still waiting for Dijakovic versus Keith Lee, so week, so. Hashtag on. where's Keith Lee? Hashtag where's Keith, Keith Lee? Hashtag where Keith. Where Keith. Where Keith. Um, they, have a bit of a, they, have, they have a bit of a rally cry, go, we are the undisputed, we are the undisputed era, you know, we're the best. Adam Cole then takes front lead and goes, yeah, it's not about our past, it's about the present, we're about the future. It doesn't matter whether we got no goal, it doesn't matter whether we haven't got this, it doesn't matter that Roddy messed it up last week. Yep. Drop the ball was the phrase he used. Mm. Drop the ball, that's it. Mr. Then, Strong did not like that. <laughs> Mr. Strong. Mr. Strong got very upset. Mr. Walked Strong off. Took uh, his big red square body home. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible um, eczema. <laughs> Riddled. Uh, uh, he, um, he walks off. Bobby Fish is a bit all WTF, bro. Mm. Adam Cole goes, what? He can't take a joke like he can't take a loss. And uh, Bobby Fish then walks off. Carl O'Reilly sides with Cole. Of course he does. Uh, interesting note. Uh, they were playing the theme song background of this song. When he made the joke and Roddy walked off, the theme magically stopped. Records. What do you make of this? Uh, continuing dissensions. Dissension is still relevant and prevalent. My favourite bit of this segment is the fact they were stood in some kind of backstage, <coughs> like corridor area. <laughs> had... oh, excuse Jeez. me, guys. Hey, you have got me for banging a table. Wouldn't get enough attention <laughs> on the podcast. Uh, sorry, carry on, Sam. They were stood in their like backstage corridor area mm. uh, with like loads of railings around them, and they had all three of their t-shirts like perfectly that. displayed like just the most the most lad merch. t-shirt salesman in the, the world they know the gimmick the gimmick uh, is merch and it works very very well uh, I, this match is going to be great I mm-hmm. I 
it's kind of, Riddle needs to win this. Riddle needs to pick up some wins and build up. And this mm. is a great opportunity for uh, some undisputed era shenanigans. I'm mm. really looking forward to it. Mm. What do you make of it, Chris? I'm looking forward to the match. I think you're right. Riddle probably needs to win it. Uh, I just really love Adam Cole. And I don't want to see <laughs> him absorb too many losses to the point where it gets like this is a guy that can't back up his promises at all. Um, and I, I just really, I really, lo- I'm a big fan of Adam Cole, and I want, mm. I want him to do well. I, I, want him to I, hope, a, he, I hope he does a thing for I, your sake. I, 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 I want him to get a belt. I, I want him Aww. to win the title. I know, um, I know, no one wants to lose a bet, mm. but this is his time in the shade. Mm. He's had his mm. time in the spotlight. He's North mm. American Championship. He's had the, the the feud with Gargano. Granted, he was just chucked into, but he's very mm. much at the top. Yeah, yeah. And I no, I think this time where it shows um, discontent in the ranks, it kind of shows a bit more of a dark side to Carl or a more vulnerable side. It's great. Can you enjoy that? If you take Velveteen Dream's singing voice so seriously, are you, do you think you can find a place to enjoy watching a fan favorite of your a favorite of yours? Uh, just get bullied I mean yeah I, I can enjoy <laughs> as long as it's not being done badly uh, <laughs> yeah if it's quality bullying it's all over you Chris yeah. <laughs> I'm consistent quality <laughs> bullying um, I think I don't think it, I don't even mind too much if Cole loses against Riddle um, I think the storyline seems to be that Cole's a bit perplexed mm. I think he's really affected not winning the bout well if it mm. it would make sense if one Roderick Strong costs him it in some way, costs him the match, Ooh. you know. So you kind of Matt Riddle well, looks good, Adam Cole doesn't look too bad, and yeah. it kind of continues the descent in the undisputed era storyline. I'm surprised the descent storyline. I'm quite interested because we've been talking about it. Like usually, get these storylines. I know we've, I've made this point in countless podcasts where it's like uh, the descent storyline is quite a big thing in the heel group. Like, oh, well, they stick together and then turn. They all pull together when it needs to. Um, they've been running with it for a while and it's a slow burn it's a slow mm. burn of soil. I think it's doing good I'm still interested in it mm. but I'm yeah I'm surprised they've run it for this long I thought they would have like pulled the quick plug on it now but no they're going with it interested to see where it goes I'm interested well, I, well I'm intrigued to see what happens I mean they shift so many t-shirts it feels like they've been mad to oh, I don't break think, I don't think they will speak it. Um, then I did suggest this I think last week and I you know this is kind of a bit left field but Roderick Strong was the last addition to the group you know he could leave and you'd still have the original Undisputed Era as a threesome Mm. you know he could come back and join them again at a later date but you've got that guy that could kind of drift in and out have a rivalry Mm. with them team back up with them have have a turn and swerve and get back with them at the expense of somebody else and they can kind of play with that dynamic without fully breaking up the Undisputed Era alternatively this could be the the time where um, Fish and O'Reilly uh, kind of go, you know what? Strong's one of us as much as you are, Adam. I know Adam will be fe- uh, Cole will be feeling mm. a little bit sensitive and a bit like, no, I'm the, this is my gang and I'm the leader and what I say goes. But if Fish and O'Reilly are like, no, Strong's a boy as well, they could actually bring them closer together at all of it and it not just be a swerve mm. for yeah, a storyline. Yeah. This is good. This is. I thought you were going to suggest that they they side with. Strong, mm. Cole's out. They turn on Cole they and they kick, turn Cole face. No, they wouldn't kick Cole out of the group. They, yeah. they, Cole will still be the de facto leader of Undisputed Era, but it might really pull Roderick in as an equal, as opposed to the fourth mm. member, the latecomer. Yeah. This sure. might be the making of Strong. Who knows? Well, they still put a belt on Cole, do. though. 
Good, good storytelling. You're a simple man, aren't you? I just want all my, my dreams to sing and my calls to win. Yeah. <laughs> As my old nana used to say to me, E, I want my dreams to sing and my calls to win. Now put the kettle on. And um, I should always said that, regardless of context. Often there was no kettle there. So... <laughs> We have come to... This is the weirdest show. Frank, given we said we don't have nothing to talk about, we're now nearly at 45 minutes, and we come to the headline bout of the mm. of the evening. Kushida making his NXT debut versus Cassius Ono. This was really underwhelming. It w- super, super underwhelming. Well, just to set things up a bit, uh, Kushida making his NXT debut, making kind of his debut in the whole WWE universe, he's... Mm. Been wrestling in Japan. New Japan Pro New Wrestling. Japan Pro wrestling. wrestling. Yeah. None of us know much about him. I know least of all. Mm. But we seem to have established from what we've seen so far that his entire gimmick, James, mm. is Back to the Future. He's Marty McFly. He is. Uh, there was multiple <laughs> references to this. Uh, I've seen Kushida matches. I've I've seen bits and pieces from New Japan. I'm not that well versed. I'm not going to say I'm well read or literate in the world of New Japan. Mm. I think he used to have the odd reference to it here and there. Like I think it was like one of those yeah. things. Like Kenny Omega has a few references to Final Fantasy, but his gimmick wasn't I played Final Fantasy. Um, because I noticed it in like the like in the build up to this where he has been date like yeah they've had all these vignettes. He's been wearing the red puffer like. What do you call mm, it? Like puff jacket, yeah. Puff jacket kind of thing. And I was like, oh, that's they must be keeping that from his Back to the Future thing. But his gimmick is like there was multiple references to Back to the Future. Mauro's gonna have a field day with it as oh, well. He's gonna, he's he loves gonna that love stuff. it. He's gonna love it. Mm. It feels like an odd choice because I mean, I guess if that's something he's brought with him, mm. fine. But like the Back to the Future trilogy are a series of movies from the mid eighties. Mm. Um, you know, so pretty dated at this point. Also, Marty McFly is hardly your kind of action hero, your tough guy <laughs> figure that you'd aspire to be like as a as a wrestler, and it did seem like I I suggested uh, that maybe like he's gonna get called out by heels into into matches <laughs> by they're gonna call him a chicken and make some bark bark noises and and that's he's gonna try and walk away but he can't stand being called a chicken and then he's gonna go all right I'll take you on and it was at this point in the evening that we discovered that Sam Smith has watched no movies yeah I did not understand that I was making a Back to the Future reference but presumably I'm gonna assume you listeners at home are all a lot more intelligent and well versed in pop culture than Sam and know exactly what I'm talking about I'd like to think that Kushida has a photo of him as the NXT world champion and that with every loss he takes, it fades a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that Kushida Love has... time, boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like to think that Kushida has a photo of himself in a DeLorean at Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what a DeLorean is. I... I think Kushida's going to pull out a move to which all the crowd are going to go, what? What's that? What's that? And Kushida's going to grab the microphone and goes, you may, know not, you may not know what this is now, but your kids are going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kushida's going to win a match. Oh, man. This can go for ages. I think Kushida's going to do a super kick and... Uh, and Triple H is going to ring up Shawn Michaels <laughs> in the early 90s and go, I've just seen a move that I think you're going to love. I <laughs> um, don't know how he's hey, going to do that. It's me. 
It's me, Sean. It's me. It's your cousin, Brett Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, to, okay, I know it's a, oh bloody hell. Anyway, anyway, okay, I think I think what we've established here from a, about ten minutes on Velveteen Dream singing, uh, Robbie Brookside. And Adam Cole winning. Uh, we have been quite avoiding talking about this match for this entire show. Yeah, we've been tiptoeing around <coughs> it because Cassius Ono versus Kushida. Bearing in mind, they've done a lot of telling us that Kushida is a big deal, mm. and now's the opportunity to show it. And this match underwhelmed. Yeah. He um, they um, Mara Ronella kept on referencing about her how Kushida has one of the highest ring IQs. In the industry, how he's very smart, but um, Ono has a very high ring IQ himself, and it was mm. a very technical match. Uh, it was very mat based. Um, Kashida sold very well. Yeah. Kashida made Ono look better than Ono made Kashida look, mm. if I could dare say that. Um, yeah. Ono had uh, bullied Kashida for most of this match. He kind of threw his weight around, and it was only in the last in 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 kind of trickling moments throughout the match and at the end where Kashida really looked like he could show some dominance yeah. I, uh, to be fair Kashida got a bloody nose within about four minutes in this match and, it's been, and although uh, Ono is a fantastic technical wrestler this isn't the kind of match where Kashida can really shine and show everything that he mm. can do in retrospect it was a very strange choice for someone's first match Yeah, where like Chris is spot on where he said that there's been a lot of telling, now's the time for showing. They've given him an opponent where he can do very good on the, the technical and the storytelling and uh, kind of, mm. oh no, no, he'll, he'll run rings around a big guy and he'll get him to tap out. But it doesn't really show why he's, he's world class, where he's a six-time mm. junior heavyweight champion. Kushida Ono feels like, this, and this match as well, felt like one you should have built up to. Mm. Like, you should have probably had Kushida go against some like similar sized guys like you know like have to be really strong really powerful and then like you know like build up this whole ring IQ then you bring that's when you bring out Cassius Ono to do the job and Ono comes out and goes I'm the old veteran I'm the old everyone knows I've got the ring IQ everyone thinks you're the best ring technician well give it a go with me and then it was like ooh Kashida's done one of people his size but Cassius Ono's got a size and a weight advantage over him like a height advantage like oh dear and then he overcomes the odds it felt very weird to have that story of a match be mm. his first match like this match felt something like you would see on like a like on like I say like a, like a progress wrestling show say if you had like progress wrestling and you had like an exhibition match and it was like oh here's Kushida making his debut in like the UK and you use the little things you know of him like he comes out with the Marty McFly jacket he's got that punch which looks quite brutal and the submissions and all these kind of things and then you go home and it's like you know but then you puts the local guy over but Kushida wins because he's from Japan mm. It felt like that. It didn't feel like this is the guy you're gonna get excited about. Mm. Like you know, like like I said, see, like we said, I'm gonna bring this to you now, Chris, because I feel like, because like I said, you, you yeah, you knew who Kushida was coming before. You did the name and all that. Like I'd seen bits and pieces. I knew like, you knew nothing of Kushida coming in. I think actually on this podcast, I think this is. I think we've actually probably recorded your first reaction to Kushida mm. of this podcast. What did you think of Kushida? Do you get any hype from him? No, well, here's because the, the problem is too far. We were talking. I'll, I'll ask you a question, but to go back, we mm. were talking earlier on the program about jobbers, and about kind of mid card jobbers, and I think Cassius Ono has kind of fallen into the role of kind of jobber to the stars mm. in NXT and NXT UK, whether it be Walter or Matt Riddle, anyone who comes in looks imposing. They want to make him look like a big deal. His first feud will be against uh, Cassius Ono. 
The trouble is, Cassie's owner has done that so many times now that you know he's going to do the job. You know he's not going to win. They're not trying trying to build him up for anything, which is fine if you're going like. But Cassie's owner is a vaguely credible opponent where this person can look strong against them and kind of show off what they can do. And I think you get that with Walter when he's doing his chops. You get that with Matt Riddle, with some of the stuff that he's capable of doing as well. And with this, you don't get... You want one or two things. If someone makes their debut, you either want them to kind of get a kind of shock win over someone quite strong mm. and dominant. Like, if he'd come in... If Kushida had come in and got a win over Velveteen Dream or Matt Riddle... Um, That's the Adam Cole. Adam Cole. Oh, yeah. Even a Keith Lee. You know, someone who isn't just set up to lose every week. Yeah. Then you go, oh, okay, this guy... I'm being shown that this guy is, is good and to receive this guy as a winner and somebody who's capable of beating people unexpectedly and, and is in that kind of top bracket. Yeah. And I'm, okay, cool. I'm, I'm looking for, and given that the result is fairly predictable, Cassius Ono, and it doesn't feel like that, then what you want instead of that is to go, okay, this is a guy where there's going to be some good back and forth between the two of them and give this guy an opportunity to show off what he can do. This is a guy we know, he comes from New Japan, he's a smaller guy, so I was thinking maybe there'd be some flashy high-flying stuff, or he comes from New Japan, we know that's where you get your strong style, you get your stiff kicks, your strikes, so maybe we're going to see some of that, either of which I'm excited for. Didn't really get any of that, so I didn't really know why I should perceive him as an exciting guy. I, th- I think uh, because Kushida is a, a fantastic technical wrestler and technical wrestling isn't as flashy as the high-flying or the strong-style kind of stuff, mm. you, you kind of will be somewhat overwhelmed. But it's not that that's not part of his toolkit or his repertoire. Um, and you, I, I see what you mean where, like, you have Ono, who's almost like the... <laughs> The Dolph Ziggler, like my first feud. Yeah. He's the the trainer to the, to Kushida being the trainee. Mm. That does have diminishing returns when you see it so many times. It's a great it's a great role to have. It's a, and it, it makes sense. But if at all smart as a mark, you're going to see it and know what's going on. And maybe mm. we are reaching a bit of a peak of that with Ono and Ziggler, and it's a bit obvious. I do think the main problem was though that it. You, if you want to make a huge, big, uh, uh, like debut appearance, and you really want to build the guy up, you, it needs to have something special. Yeah. Whereas this was good. Yeah. It was a good, well-written technical wrestling match against a clear heel and a clear face, and the the face uh, come come over the uh, the adversity and beat the much bigger heel. And he, uh, the heel tapped out, and um, yeah. the, but the face showed how, like, like you said, yeah. how he's, he can defeat someone way bigger than him with his cunning, and but that doesn't make you think that Kushida is the next Shinsuke. Yeah, it reminds me of um, the match. Was it the Royal Rumble where you had Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles, and. I think people beforehand were very excited for it, obviously. Yeah. It's a good pairing. But they did a very technical, map-based match. I actually enjoyed that mm. match. But, mm. Yeah, it was great. But it kind of... You could tell in in the arena at the time, it was kind of sucking the air out a bit where people were wanting something a bit more flamboyant or a in bit more class. dramatic. And I think, you know, if I was to watch this match again with no expectations, 
Yeah. I'd probably appreciate like the skill and, and some of the technical side of it. But this guy had been built up. Uh, this guy's going to come in. Kashida, you should be excited for this guy. All right, I'm excited. What's he going to show me? Oh, some te- technical map-based stuff. And I appreciate the skill, but I want some some flash alongside that, I guess. Or, or some stiff, something a bit yeah. brutal-looking or whatever it may be. And, and maybe that's on me to kind of appreciate the skill in what's there. But Or at least you want him to make Ono look some like silly. Yeah. Granted, he did the bit where he forced him to force the handshake after all of the shenanigans about handshakes at the beginning of the match. Mm. But he... But it didn't look like he had his number uh, for, for a, a, a distinct amount of time. It was just that he managed to gain a bit of control, put on a double wrist lock, which looks great. Yeah, and like, good. like they'll protect it and he'll have a strong uh, submission finisher, which I like. Mm. But it wasn't like he defeated him if he came in out, a battle. It was like yeah. he just managed to string a win together at the end. Like, if it is, this would be some terrible booking on behalf of Ono. But if he just came out and beat Ono in a squash, so let's say if it were, like, say hypothetically, I'm not saying that they should have done this. Um, if, say, if he came out and he beat Ono in, like, two minutes, dominant, like, absolutely dominated, like, quick as you like, bam, done. That would have been a statement, because it's like... Because people would have gone, whoa, Jesus, he's just put him over Ono. Like, Ono's not done anything in NXT since he's come back. He's, like we said, he's in Dolph Ziggler NXT. He's been in UK, doing that job. Yeah, he's been doing that in NXT in the UK. But, like, still, that would be a big one. The fact it was such a squash, you know, something quick. Like, like I think it was, like, a good match, but it's not what you need. Um, we were talking after the show about how in WWE, they expect you to kind of do your stuff for TV, but then you save... And hold back some of your best stuff yeah. for the pay per views, for the big events. That makes sense, you know. But at the same time, but we this that... was a debut. This yeah. is the first chance to shine, and you want to see some flash. Like in context, you know. we were saying that about uh, Dio Djokovic. Um, the, the, like the it's the reverse of your debut match. This is anything. This is where you should put all your things in. Yeah. This is where you put all your stuff in. You've got to show like not all of it. Not like here's like all the hundred and fifty moves I can do. Here are like the most impressive things that I can do. A strong kick, you know, like of Owens, it was like, it was like, what did Owens do? He did the, if you watch Owens' debut match against Juice Robinson, I can't remember, CJ Parker was called back then. You know, like if you watch that from back in the day, Owens hits the cannonball, he hits the like, the, he drips, he drips. The power bomb, he drops his finisher, the whole like thing where he drops him on his like his on the drain bust on his side. knee. Yeah. Do you mean like the like the suplex? He drops he went, here are all my top five moves. They're all really impressive. The crowd pop for every one of them. Like juice Rob I keep calling I'm gonna call him juice Robinson stuff here. You know, get some offense here. It's not a complete squash, but you know, it sets up I'm Kevin Owens, I'm dominant, here are my moves, look out for me. You look you know, you look forward to me. This match is like they start off with like the whole handshake thing, like, oh, here's the story of the match. It's gonna be about me getting a handshake. Mm-hmm. And oh, Cash's owner's got me now, and oh dear, I'm in a bit of trouble here. Oh, if I do this, oh, ah, here's a punch. Ah, there's a mission. Lovely. I'm Kashida, everyone. Out I go. It's like, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. what, that's what it felt like. It just felt like in that tone of voice, like, ah, how, that was lovely, wasn't it? Not like, not like this is the most excited superstar we have signed. I don't know if it's, maybe this is the kind of time of NXT where it's like we've seen so many of these big hyped up debuts and the whole like, Oh my god, get ready for this guy, get ready for this guy, get ready for this guy. I think nearly now we're a bit spoiled. Are yeah. They, are they trying to make it like so Kashida's a bit more humble? Because if that's the, the kind of line they want to take with him, where it's like, 
oh, like he he he's really competitive. He just manages to find wins in the important times. He he just he just has that's like Mansour. he has that IQ. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Mansoor as well. To yeah, an extent, yeah. it's Carrillo. But oh, Mansoor and Carrillo yeah. did more bits in their yeah, matches. That's, no, you're right in what you're saying. Like if you just brought him in, when, like like from the show, like oh, here's Kushida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, no, you're right in what you're saying. Sorry, I feel like I've jumped on. Like, yeah, trying the to only you. difference between like, Kushida and Mansoor and Carrillo is that they've tried to make out that Kushida. Well, Kashida's one of the best in the world, and the other two are just like That's newbies actually, yeah. that we're building up. Yeah. But on a on a performance basis, I've been more impressed with Carrillo and Mansoor. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. ridiculous if, yeah. If you if you ridiculous. brought Kashida in and you didn't know who Kashida was and he hadn't been hyped to the moon, and he was just this guy, he was a lot smaller than Ono, and he steals the win. You go, oh, this guy's a, this is a guy to look out for. Mm. He stole a win. He's a much bigger guy. Mm. He took his chances. He's, he's you're great. building someone from the bottom up mm. rather than. Oh. Again to the top. What I assume they're trying to do uh, with Kashida, uh, if they do want him to be that kind of plucky character who's, who's super smart and gets wins, which you, you don't expect him to, then they have to build him from the bottom. That makes sense. If you want like a Brian Kofi. Um, not a big guy, not like the most glitzy, obvious champion, hmm. but overcomes adversity. Don't do vignettes for a month, claiming that he's the second coming. Yeah. That's the main problem. That's because it. if you just judge him on, on his results, that could be a really nice storyline. Yeah. But you, you have to completely undersell the fact that you've sold a world-class wrestler and just have him organically... And also, if they were going to do that again, mm. they're not doing it with an import. They're going to do it with someone they made themselves. They're more likely to do it with Mansoor yeah. than they are with Kushida. Because they'd be mm. like, oh, this is the guy that we, we nurtured. Yeah. Not we picked from the top of the roster of mm. New Japan. Yeah. And then given him some bizarre, I don't want to say underdog story, because I want to see if they actually run with it. But if they do that, I mm. would be very surprised. It feels like they've dropped the ball with... Such it's, talent. It's funny, like, I felt very underwhelmed after the match. And then having sat down and talked to you guys about it, I feel a lot of that is more about the context in which it was presented than the match itself. Mm. Yeah. I was like, because I was, because I know when you both came, I think, I can't remember, like, obviously, you, the listener will remember this because they just heard you. Like, you both kind of came into this and the match was bad and all that kind of thing. I enjoyed the match. I thought the match was good, but it was the worst debut. And, like, you, I think that's the point, really. I think... Because it was like, like, like the Kushida promo has been running since we started this. Mm. And like, this has been now three weeks, three weeks of build. Yeah. And it's like, here he is. And it's... Mm. I, but that's, that's a, a very important point, though, in that a match is you only rate it depending on where it is in r- relative to other things. So mm. like, we will see a match in the bingo hall and it'll mm. be like, that was absolutely outstanding yeah. for... 200 people in a bingo hall. Yeah. But if it was like upper mid card, middle of the night at a, a pay per view, mm. you'd be like kind of a bit, bit de- yeah. deflating. It didn't really go anywhere. And I think that like main roster have kind of, of, of forced themselves into the position where you expect middle of the, of, of the match, uh, middle of the card, yeah. raw matches and SmackDown matches to just be a little bit. Throw away. Yeah. Uh, a little bit. Well, it was okay. They got their bits in. There was a winner. Then they said something. We'll see what happens next week. Mm. But this is different. This feels more like an important yeah. moment. Mm. This feels more like a, a, a main event of a pay-per-view. 
than a random. Yeah, it's his debut. I think Ashida is such a talent. They could have made his debut. His debut be like a, a, a like marquee match on a takeover. Well, which is yeah, they could. I would have done that way, and I would have had a big competitive twenty minute match against Johnny Gargano and him barely not win the belt. And yeah. His debut. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be way better story. That like yeah. this guy's that good. We mm. to to give him a contract. We had to give him a, a title match. Yeah, and he nearly did it. Mm. Any more? Any more? I think that no. I, I think you've said my points, and I'm gonna lie. I think sorry, yeah. no, no, no. Don't apologise for like doing my job. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish you do that more on like, this podcast. We're here for each other. As long as you just gave me a Robbie Brooks, I'm fine. If anyone from NXT wants to get in touch with Sam to do their job as well, I want to say anyone. I mean, probably on creative. Probably. No one wants to see Sam Smith fighting Matt Riddle uh, <laughs> instead also, of instead of Adam Cole next week. Full Sail University <coughs> have plenty of uh, music engineering students that they can use for work experience to do their job. But if they need a, a front of house engineer for it and they want to get me a green card and fly me out to Florida, um, my calendar is pretty free right now. All I'm saying. Thanks for the hustle, Chris. Yeah, no worries. All I'm know. saying, a Sam Smith NXT would know where Keith Lee is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that storyline would be over by now. That would have been well wrapped up weeks ago. I'm worried. Right. <laughs> So there was actually one more thing we were going to discuss before we wrap up. I realise this is now the longest episode we've ever done probably at this rate, but never mind, because I've been having fun. And I think the listeners will be having fun, all 11 of them. (laughs) And um, so leaked online, there was a sort of graphic Mm. implying that there was going to be an NXT Money in the Bank uh, match, ladder match. Do we say spoilers? I, well, this isn't a spoiler per se because yeah. we don't know if it's definitely happening. It's it's like an yeah. internet rumor, okay, rather than a spoiler. And certainly, we don't know for sure if any of this is true, and we don't know. And it's not been. We don't know if anything has been true. taped or anything. We all Perfect. we know is Perfect. it's it's rumors at this point. Uh, if it is true, if then it would certainly be good news for Keith Lee fans because he's advertised as being in it. I'm glad Ooh. that's well, that's where he is. He's on top of the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, can we point out that the, so so this is, so apparently this is from local advertisers. So it's not just um, the NXT. It's also like the raw, the, the like the women's and the men's. Team. Yeah, this leaks off the whole, but, half the card. But if the rumors are right, there's going to be an NXT. Like one, there's going to be an NXT Money in the Bank, which has mm-hmm. never happened. There's never yeah. been a Money in the Bank holder in NXT. But it's also going to take on the main pay per view. Mm. That's what I'm taking away from it. Would you say that's that they're putting an NXT match well, on the main like. paper? Yeah, no, that that's you're you're right. That's like, what and it I'm, looks like. I'm Bad sure I'm wrong. I can't I can't think yeah. of Bar Evolution where that's happened before. But this is like an actual. This is it. If it happens. This is an actual NXT match on WWE main pay per view. Um, like, wasn't like, there an NXT match I'm, on uh, Beast for the East? But like, if, but, but that's like, a special. But like, it's just, yeah, like special because the evolution was a special, and like BCs was yeah. You're right. You'll see it. Like an actual, and like also like a top five. You know, like, like yeah. But money, money in the bank is one down from the big four. The closest. I'd say money. Come. Sorry, I'd say money in the bank's higher than Survivor Series nowadays when it comes yeah, to probably. importance and, yeah. and engagement relevance. Yeah. And the the closest we've come to, you know, an NXT match on the main roster, and it's not really the same thing. Is NXT performers appearing in the Royal Rumbles? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a big deal. Um, and the the names they had on that poster, uh, I'm going to forget most of them. But Pete Dunne, ah, oh, watching your boy Pete Dunne on a <laughs> in a Money in the Bank ladder match with Adam Cole and 
yeah, Jackson so, Riker and yeah. Dominic Tudrovkis. It was going to be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, like that, so I think I remember. I can't remember who was lined up, but it's basically the lines of Pete Dunne, Adam Cole, Djokovic, Keith Lee, um, and say Adam Riker, Cole? Riker, Bell, um, Tyler Breeze, and oh, Tyler Breeze, Breeze. Yes, which yeah. would be nice to see him getting used for something. Really, he yeah. did come back to NXT. Mm. So again, if this is real or if this just turns out to be. You know, fantasy. some fan fantasy mm. going, yeah, it was great when he came back to NXT. We still like him on that. Let's bring him back into a ladder match. It'd be fun to see. But we had a similar thing where a graphic uh, <clears throat> leaked for the main roster men's Money in the Bank with Cesaro and a lot of fan favourites on there, and that turned out to be uh, horseshit. So that could very much mm. just be changed, though, because oh, they change their mind all the time. It could yeah. have been. There was a sense of like, there's a lot of internet favourites on this, though, and they mm, haven't yeah. transpired to be so. We'll so, see, but oh, internet favourites of Jackson Riker. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> right, maybe this one is done by the office. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how we can tell? Oh. Be like, no, nobody in their right you know mind yeah. would dream of oh, you know, that. You know, you know what? I saw it. Well, I didn't see the image. I was a bit like, oh, it's got to be fixed. Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne's going to be on XT TV. Adam Cole, uh, of course, yeah, he's in it. Whatever. Like, oh, fucking Dragovich, I suppose. Riker. Oh, no, shit, this could be real. Like, I think <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like, no, hang on, guys, take this seriously. Now, Riker's there. <laughs> if Riker is... The- I need to slam the table again. Uh, if Riker get If this happens, and Riker's the NXT um, Motor Bank, um, I... I'm gonna make a promise I can't keep. If it is, <laughs> what's the promise? If that happens, hang on, let's let's hear this promise from yeah. James. Okay, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. Go on, let me, let me. Know. If the if that does happen, this podcast will actually be a, a valuable resource because I doubt there's many or anyone else who've had a a, a four or five hour long uh, audio audio recorded uh, discussion around these matters where we've we've discussed him in so much depth. We are his biggest. Wait, if if that's if that's the storyline that he has these half a dozen matches and this this build up for him to join that ladder match and win the first ever NXT Money in the Bank, there's a lot of people are going to go, why, why, how, and we're going to go. We know, we know, uh, we don't have an answer for you. I'm really worried that that might actually be the case. Now they're building him up. This big guy, they're sticking him in the ladder match. He wins the Money in the Bank, he and there's this guy fodder. running around with the the. He's perfect. You, you forgot about briefcase. me. And you won't forget about me now. Yeah. Oh, jeez, write that down. You know when you, you write, put something in an envelope and you yeah. open it after a date? I'm going to put write that okay. down and I bet you that he uses that on the NXT after standing the bank. Sam once more has forgotten how podcasting works. We're going <laughs> to be releasing this to the public. It's going to have a date on it. People will know when you said that. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, they'll get me on Twitter. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I, I don't really like either of Sam's implications. One, that this podcast... <laughs> one, one, Sam implied that this podcast isn't already a valuable resource. <laughs> and two, the only way this podcast can become a valuable resource is through the success of Riker. And <laughs> that's bad news for me. This is depressing. Put, <laughs> put a reasonable amount of time into oh. this. <laughs> and it won't be in vain. No. Oh, God. God. Um, I'm, I'm really interested. If that happens, that is major. That means big things for NXT in terms of where it's seen in the realm of the WWE universe. It would be seen as a third brand. If w, if NXT is on, it gets a main show, like main like on the main show match over two o five. If two o five doesn't have a cruiserweight title match, that is so bad for two o five. What might be part of it? Two o five now is more like a feeder system for NXT. Mm. That's quite scary. Um, 
Uh, WWE announced it on Facebook, so it's not a spoiler, but it was announced at the tapings. Yeah. There will be a NXT takeover uh, whenever in like June, June July, July. June, early July, uh, in um, California, I think they said it was going to be. Oh, really? Um, I might be wrong. But it's not on the same weekend as a main roster pay-per-view. It's a standalone event. It's not the warm-up oh, yeah, that's before a yeah. another pay-per-view. Which makes me think that where they would normally have your big NXT takeover, your, your, your title matches, and then the main roster the night after, mm. because this is somewhat involved, there's a big gap where they have to do a standalone pay-per-view for it to catch up before SummerSlam. Oh. That's my calculation. Is it just I'm, that they don't want to attach it to a pay-per-view because they're fed up of pay-per-views underwhelming next to the preceding takeover events? That might be that might be true. Or they might be looking the other way where they go, you know what, don't stack the weekends so big. Mm. So you can have NXT title matches, North American title matches on pay-per-views and you don't have to almost pinch it from the takeover the night before. Because if you're going to start having NXT matches on main roster pay-per-views, mm. you're going to feel like you're stealing takeover I, matches, which I, people will not like. I hope they're not doing that because, you know, I'm happy with the NXT matches being on their own brand, being yeah. their own thing. And also, there is enough content stuffed into main roster pay-per-view. Like, they've already got three tag belts now, um, two women's titles... The Universal title, the WWE title, the United States Championship, the Intercontinental Championship. Cruiserweight Championship. Cruiserweight Championship, plus any sort of grudge matches, ongoing feuds and storylines that don't have a belt attached that you want to be able to find room for and tell. Like, let's not start cramming any more belts into this, right? Let's, especially, I mean, WrestleMania uh, will be 12 hours. You need to look back to the days of WWE CW and the oh, trash fire no. that that was when because um, NXT kind of came out of the dying yeah. embers of uh, ECW WWE CW and they did have pay per views which were tri brand promoted and they would have oh, yeah. the the ECW title defended next to the World Heavyweight and the WWE title and right. to be fair. <laughs> w, uh, ECW did not uh, stand a, much of a chance when it's very much that third mm. brand didn't have a distinct role yeah. it's, o- it's only own real pay-per-view is like the worst rated mm. WWE yeah, yeah, show big. ever well the second one One Night Stand did really really well yeah the second oh, One Night oh, Stand yeah. was a dumpster fire oh no yeah, yeah. which is but yeah, yeah. but um what I would say though, at that time, you had ECW as your third brand, you had your heavyweight championship, you had your WWE championship, your ECW championship. Uh, did they have a hardcore championship at the time, or was that just the ECW? Mm, just ECW. OG, did they have the in, was the internet tent? No, Inter- intercontinental was that active at the time? Intercontinental was around. Mm. United States was around. What, two tag team belts. Did you have two? Was it still two tags belts? Yeah, two tag belts. But it would have been the Divas Championship. Yeah, and I don't did they know. have the women's as well at that time? Because were the women's would it be the women's? I think. Yeah, it? they would, would have had both. Would it be the women's? Oh, they didn't have the cruiserweights at that time. They didn't have cruiserweights. No. That was the only thing they didn't have. They said cruiserweights ended. But they didn't they... have as many women's titles at the time. And in fairness, it'd be rare. It'd be rare that there would be a women's match on. Yeah, this was dark and you, you wouldn't have had the women's tag 
matches. So there would have been mm. fewer belts still than there are now. Mm. But and, and I still would have said that's plenty. I don't think I don't. I think we're going to be ahead of ourselves. I don't think this means that like we're going to get an NXT match on every show. I think I think if we could possibly see one on like the SummerSlam or like. The mania, maybe but... for the SummerSlam, especially because SummerSlam for recent years has been in New York, and it was very convenient to have Brooklyn, yeah, two Brooklyn three, mm. Barclay Center so, the night like, before. But, but... I don't think it is this year, and they've already done Brooklyn, on uh, Mania weekend, so mm. maybe they're going to rejig take over around with that. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Worth keeping an eye on. Anyway, this is the longest podcast yeah. of all time. Yeah, Since when we were like, this was an absolute trash bag of a of an NXT. Only three matches, and we got no much to say, and we're at an hour and fifteen minutes. Time to wrap things up, probably. Yeah, guys, where can people? Sam, let's start with you. Where can people follow you? Uh, at smsmth on the Twitter, and James. Um, go to my Instagram, James Twenty Four. Give me a message, and I'll check you my Twitter address because I've tried to explain it three times. I don't think I've done it right any time. Well, that's the thing that won't be happening. Yeah, go to his Instagram. Send him a message. Yeah, basically, James is assigning you a chore. <laughs> it's a quest. Um, yeah, it's your homework for the week. No one, no one's that fussed about following James Dunn on Twitter or anywhere. Whoa, come on, don't um, say it like that. And you can follow me at Mr. Chris Chopping. Please do. Anyway, we'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening. Oh, Saint, can you see? For the This has been. This has been. Everybody gonna dance tonight. Everybody gonna dance tonight. This has been the worst. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>Hi guys, just me here again, just report, recording a little bonus section for the podcast where I just say, I think that even though I kind of railroaded during the episode, I think that you and I, uh, you know, me and you, the listeners, can all agree that that Velveteen Dream singing thing was bullshit, right? And I've snuck away to record this bit on my own, partly to convey that message, but also to kind of see if James and Sam actually listen to the episodes once they're put out. And if they do, maybe it'll be me on my own for the entire next episode, because they won't be speaking to me. But I thought this would be a bit of fun, uh, just to have the last word on that subject. Okay, thanks. Bye.